Hello, science enthusiasts! Welcome to the Science Podcast with Bunsen Burner. This is Episode 9 of Season 1. I'm your host, Jason Zakowski. I'm a high school chemistry teacher, and Bunsen is my doggo. Bunsen is the Twitter science dog, which started as a fun way to share pictures about our cute little guy has turned into an enormous social media presence. You can find Bunsen on Twitter at BunsenBurnerBMD. Instagram and Facebook, he's BunsenBurner.BMD. In the description to the show, we also have a merchandise shop, which has some really cute merchandise wear. The podcast will always be free. You never have to worry about paying for it. It's actually super fun to do. But there are some costs that come with running a podcast. And if you really like the podcast, consider signing up as a Patreon at Patreon backslash Bunsen Burner. The Patreon has three different tiers you can sign up for. The lowest tier, it's only $5 a month. And there's some really cool swag at every tier you sign up for. To give you an idea of some of the swag, each tier, twice a year, gets a Bunsen postcard with his paw on the back of it. And we're sending that out at the end of August. Ah, adorable. We have such a fun show today and it's super exciting. Our guest expert is none other than Gideon from the totally wholesome and adorable Twitter account and webpage, I've Pet That Dog. We also have some fun science news about giant penguins the size of people and some interesting trivia and we've got the mailbag again today, so we might as well just get right to the program because there's no time like science time. Okay, the science news this week is crazy. The remains of some giant penguins that are about the size of a human were discovered in New Zealand. So these penguins are of an animal that would have been about five feet, three inches tall and weighing just shy of 200 pounds, 170-ish pounds. It lived about 66 million years ago, and the Canterbury Museum dubbed this the monster penguin, and it's part of the now-extinct gigantic New Zealand fauna, giant parrots, giant eagles, giant burrowing bats the size of a dog, and the moa, which was a 3.6-meter-tall uh, bird, flightless bird like the ostrich, but think about how tall 3.6 meters is. That's tall. That's like 10 feet tall, 11 feet tall. So the museum senior curator told uh, the, the BBC in an interview that this was the largest penguin species ever found. One of the reasons why penguins were thought to become this big is that the animals that perhaps preyed on them disappeared about the same times that the dinosaurs disappeared. So there was no predator to keep the penguins from growing to sizes that they would have been snack food for even bigger aquatic reptilian monsters. So the biggest penguin today, the emperor penguin, if you want a reference, is about 1.2 meters tall, which is still pretty big. Like 1.2 meters is nothing to sneeze about. And these penguins were even bigger than that. So how come this type of penguin died out? Well, it's a similar story to the other giant fauna in that there's a whole bunch of reasons why all the megafauna went extinct. The moa was probably hunted to extinction by humans, but with great big huge fauna, if you start to disrupt their uh, ecosystem, they can't adapt as quickly. And usually the bigger the animal is, the less 
uh, amount of offspring that it has per birth. So if you think of an elephant, elephants are enormous and elephants have one baby. It is rare for an elephant to have twins. So if something happens to that, those great big um, animals, if something happens to their ecosystem, they can be disrupted rapidly because their population declines so quickly. So with the giant penguin or the monster penguin, you had a lot of other com competitors that started to eat all of its food. Quite possibly the penguin fed on giant fish and the giant fish went extinct or were lower in numbers. And of course, if your food starts to go away or you have to hunt for smaller fish that are really fast, the little penguins have an advantage over you and your species starts to lose in the evolutionary arms race. Other factors could have been a change in climate. Other factors could have been a change in water temperature. This area is still really open for a lot of research and debate about how some of the giant species went extinct, the giant uh, megafauna. So to kind of wrap that up, most scientists would argue that it's a host of reasons, not just specifically one reason. So where did they find the giant penguin? Well, the species was discovered last year around North Canterbury. Um, it's a riverbed cutting into a cliff. So again, if you remember the dinosaur uh, talk, fossils are found usually easier um, in riverbeds or in cliffs because they're just poking out, looking at you. There could be fossils right next to your house underneath a giant tree deep under the ground, but you're never going to see them because they're super hard to find. So there's a lot of luck that goes into finding fossils. One fun thing about this find, it was amateur paleontologists that found the fossil. And that's kind of the end of our story. Not much to it. Very exciting. Very cool. These giant monster penguins. I love penguins. They're so goofy. Have you, have you ever seen them at the zoo waddling around? I think they're adorable. Um, I don't know if a giant five foot tall penguin would be adorable. Yeah, it would be adorable when it would be like, just think of a Bunsen and then an even bigger Bunsen. It would be just as cute. All right. Well, that's the science news for this week. Today in dog science, we're going to take a look at the power of smell that a dog has. Dogs like Bunsen and most dog breeds can detect chemicals that are smelly at levels that are one to two parts per trillion. Now, how good is that compared to a human? One to two parts per trillion doesn't, what is that number even? It gets a little dodgy to try and compare directly to a human, but dogs on average can smell all things considered a hundred times better than a human. Now with parts per million odor detection, it's between 10 to 100,000 times better. That's not overall sense of smell. That's like the ability to detect particles of smell. Dog sense of smell is amazing. Absolutely incredible. Now there's a few animals, mammals, uh, and insects, and some other things that do smell better than a dog. So we should point that out. Bears are the smell champions of m mammals, and they have a better sense of smell than a human by about a thousand. So they beat dogs. And bears, of course, you all, if you're uh, camping in the mountains, like when we go camping, you got to make sure your food is protected because the bear can smell right through your tent. You got to put your food on a rope high up uh, in a tree hanging in open space, or you have to put it in a bear locker, which are like metal containers that you can store your food. Even then bears can smell through that. And a bear can smell stuff from up to 20 miles away. Now there are some other animals that do a little bit better than a dog, depending on the species. Elephants can sense uh, water up to 12 miles away. And, and insects like a moth have an incredible sense of smell 
their antenna have scent receptors on it and they can smell a single pheromone molecule from the opposite sex from up to six miles away. Dogs have a really good sense of smell and they clobber just about any other animal that you're really familiar with on a day-to-day basis for that sense of smell. We could just talk about the sense of smell that a dog has and how strong that is. And, And we'll get to a little bit of that, but one of the interesting things that dogs have is the ability to increase the rate of smell with the speed of air that flows over their nose. So there's a couple landmark studies that looked at wind or air over their olfactory senses. So the anatomy of a dog for smelling is quite a bit different than a human. Their uh, their olfactory mucosa, so the, the area where they get most of their sense from, is called the olfactory mucosa. And it's found in a recess near the back of their nasal cavity. And the air has to get to it. And this olfactory recess, when they look at the skulls of all of these different types of animals that are mammalian, um, it's, definitely the most, uh, it's definitely the most developed in a dog. So among mammals, dogs probably have one of the best senses of smells. Inside a dog's uh, nasal cavity, they have hundreds of millions of neurons located near that recess, near the rear part of the nose. What scientists did was they had dogs, they trained dogs to smell, and then they trained dogs to smell with a breeze and a slightly stronger airflow than a breeze. And what the scientists found was that with a breeze, the dogs were able to smell um, much better from further away and with much more acuity than without a breeze. If you've ever taken a dog in a car and you've opened up the windows and they just kind of like their eyes roll back in their head or they maybe stick their face out the window, it's literally because all of the smells from around them are rapidly entering their nose, probably at a rate that they weren't evolved to deal with. If you think about a dog running as fast as it can or maybe like even like a gale force wind, they probably aren't out in a gale force wind, They're safe in a car and all of these smells are blasting them at a high rate of speed. They're actually getting what scientists call smell drunk. So all of these incredible smells are just blasting through this long bony plate in their nose to this um, olfactory recess, this dip. And then they're, you know, all of those neurons are trying to interpret all of those different smells. I think it's super cute. Now let's just talk about how strong a dog's sense of smell is versus our own. If you were to rate a dog's sense of smell compared to a human sense of smell, the difference would be a dog could see 3,000 miles away with perfect vision. That's the difference in power of a dog's sense of smell compared to a human's sense of smell. Now, if we compared their sense of smell, remember how I said they could detect one or two parts per trillion of an odor to taste? If you took a teaspoon of sugar or salt or something like that, and you added it to two Olympic swimming pools, a dog with 100% accuracy would be able to taste the water and tell you which swimming pool you added the salt or the sugar to. Of course, this is the reason why we use dogs for so many skills that humans need their sense of smell for. For something like a drug-sniffing dog, a tracking dog. Think about putting this in perspective. 
they can smell stuff that we would never, ever be able to smell. So there's no stretch of imagination to think that your tracking dog can follow the footpaths of something that has ran in that area. It knows exactly where it is. It's like blinking lights to them, right to the prey or whatever you're trying to track. Same thing with drug sniffing dogs. They can smell through suitcases. Dogs are also used for search and rescue. Um, They can hear and smell people trapped underneath snow. They can find the scent of somebody that had passed that way before and be trained to follow that. It's amazing. Now there's more research that needs to be done with uh, some of the more fantastical stuff that dogs' noses can do. But dogs' noses can smell VOC way better than we can. A VOC is a volatile organic chemical or volatile organic compound. And they have been trained to pick up on tiny changes in the human body. And again, like I said, more research has to go into that. But there are some dogs that are that can detect cancer. They can sniff out different types of cancer, including skin cancer, breast cancer, or bladder cancer. There are anecdotal reports of dogs like losing their minds about a mole their human has, and it turns out that mole is cancerous. Now, early studies have shown that dogs can be trained to sniff out cancer. There's a 2019 study that found that dogs were able to find the blood sample that had cancer in it with a 97% accuracy. They were able to find which person had breast cancer based on their breath with an 88% accuracy and on lung cancer with a 99% accuracy. Also, people who suffer from narcolepsy where they can't control their sleep-wake cycles, where somebody just randomly falls asleep in the middle of something that they're doing, dogs can pick up on the scent when that's about going to come on. There's a biochemical change in the body, and dogs can pick up on that, the VOCs that our bodies release. And big dogs, Labs, Great Danes, even Bernice Mountain Dogs, um... Therapy dogs are used to help narcoleptic people. They can offer support, right? If somebody's just going to fall, those big dog breeds can help them to the ground so they don't hurt themselves as much. Now, um, this is really interesting. In doing the research for this part of the podcast, um, I occasionally suffer from debilitating migraines. You might have seen some pictures of Bunsen cuddling with me on social media. I don't really know when he's doing that because I'm so out of it. Um, I'm just hoping to I'm either sleeping or hoping or trying to go to sleep so my migraine goes away I don't get them very often but when I get them they're really bad dogs can actually predict when people are have um migraines coming on like they they asked a bunch a thousand or so people who suffer from severe migraines and uh, more than half of the subjects found that their dogs were alerting them that there's a headache coming on And uh, I'll have to check the next time. But Chris told me that when I have a a really bad migraine coming on, Bunsen, um, he comes really close to me and he sitting in the bed or lying in the bed, he'll jump up and, and try and cuddle and snuggle with me. And he's not super, super cuddly on a bed. Like he loves getting pets and things like that, but he's not super cuddly on the bed. So that's something that is, um, maybe a little odd about his behavior when my migraine is coming on. Um, if you if you are somebody that suffers from migraines all the time, can you imagine how important that would be if you had a dog that could be trained to detect when your migraine was coming on so you could take the you could take the appropriate medicine. Low blood sugar also can be smelled out by dogs. So people who are diabetic, um, dogs can detect uh, chemical found in their breath 
that rises when their episode when they have low blood sugar. So dogs will alert their uh, their their humans that something is about to happen. They can be trained to do that. Now with seizures, this is kind of controversial, but there's growing evidence that dogs can detect when a seizure is going to come. And dogs, of course, have to be trained to detect when a seizure is going to come on. And they can predict when a seizure is going to come on. And uh, the researchers have dubbed this the seizure odor. Also, dogs can smell fear and stress. Many people report that dogs become, um, when they're stressed or they're sad or they're scared, dogs act immediately. While we can't smell it, dogs can. I think the science of how do- well dogs smell is, in, is just fascinating. So don't be surprised if we revisit this in another podcast. That's the dog science for this week. It's so cool that dogs can smell so well and it makes their bond with us even stronger because once again, they can do something that we can't. We need them as our companions and their powerful sense of smell. On the podcast today in the Ask an Expert section, we are thrilled to have... Gideon Kid of I've Pet That Dog, one of the most wholesome Twitter accounts on the entire internet. How are you doing today, Gideon? Good. Good. Um, you got to meet Bunsen. Did you get to see the audio or the video of him or nothing? Um, the video, yes, I saw, saw Bunsen. He's adorable. You did? Yeah. Did you get to see him in his lab coat and his yeah. uh, safety yeah. glasses? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we had to train him a bit to, to, to look like that. So, so Gideon, you and your family run this Twitter account where it's, it's almost every day or every couple days you post a picture of you petting a different dog. Is that, is that kind of how the account works for people who maybe don't know? Yeah. And um, is it every day or is it every couple days or whenever you meet a dog, you, uh, you, you guys try and post something? Every day. Every day? Yep. So I've got a question for you that people who follow your account probably want to know is how did your account get started? How did the I've pet that dog account get its start? Okay. Um, so I had just turned eight and I went to my mom and asked if I could take pictures of the dogs I met. And so we started my website. And, and it, did it start small? Like, um, did you start it on Twitter or was it Instagram or Facebook or was it just started on Twitter? Um, I just started a website actually. I did, oh, a website. Yeah. And uh, is that website still up or did yep. it migrate to Twitter? Oh, it is. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, is it like I've pet that dog.com? Yes. Oh, cool. So, hey, everybody check that out. If you didn't know that there's a website, you can check out the I've pet that dog website. That's, that's awesome. Thanks. And when, when did the account start to get big? Like, how, how old are you now, Gideon, if you I'm don't mind me 10, asking? 10, almost 11. You're 10. Yeah, so the account's been going for just about three years then, hey? Yeah. Yeah. And when did you notice that it was starting to take off? Because it's an enormous, uh, awesome account now. About a year, about a year ago. And, uh, and how did you know it was starting to become a big thing? Was the amount of uh, pictures that people were liking or the comments, or were people uh, direct messaging you with like saying, wow, this is the coolest thing? What was the, what was the thing that you realized it was so big? Like what, how did you um, know? I, we started Twitter to make it a little bit bigger. And that's when it started getting like more popularity. Very, very cool. Um, what grade are you in, Gideon? I'm going to sixth. Ah, grade six. Awesome. <laughs> 
So uh, is that are you considered a middle schooler now or a teenager? Or are you just about there? Um, I'm in, still in elementary school. Um, okay, so in your in your state, grade six is still within the elementary yep. sphere. Hey, some Canadian schools, grade six is still part of uh, elementary, and some sometimes grade six is the first year of middle yeah. school. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's similar to where you are too, but mm-hmm. so this is the science podcast and. Um, my favorite subject is science. <laughs> What's your favorite subject in school? Because school is a big part of your life right now. Um, actually, I really like science too. Um, oh, what a great answer! What do you like best about science? I like all the fun projects you get to do. Yeah. What's one of your favorite projects that you've got to do? Um, I think one of my favorites has to be um we built this whole thing. We were studying mold, and we built this whole like mold. Terrarium, kind of. It was a terrarium. Yeah, it was really. Yeah. Very okay. And did you get to put animals in your terrarium? No, no, like um, food, kind of. Oh, food! I am sorry, I misheard that. Yeah. Okay. And do you get to do experiments in school? Have you got to do like a lab where you get chemicals, or you get to, you know, build a bridge or something like that, and see how much force it can take? Have you have you started to do that in Um, school yet? We haven't done any um like chemicals thing sadly i wish i could do that more but um <laughs> we have done things like um like littler projects kind of not like big ones like with chemicals and like littler projects oh very cool do you want me to give you a quick fun experiment you can do at home right now sure. yeah so um, through trial and error, I made these uh, a recipe for bubbles that are just about unbreakable. You can, well, they break, but you can bounce them on your clothes. And the key ingredient is a chemical that you can get at Walmart called glycerin. So if you take a Dawn dish detergent, water, and a little bit of glycerin and you mix that up, then you make the best bubble solution that you can make. I'll send, I'll send you guys the complete recipe. And then to blow the bubbles, I don't know if you guys have a turkey baster, but you can you can use the 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 skinny end of the turkey baster and dip it into the um, the bubble solution, and then blow on the other end that you take the bulb off of. I don't know if you've seen a turkey baster oh. before. It's like that squirt. It's like that squirty thing. Maybe your parents yeah. have one. And then if you blow into that, you can blow like really cool bubbles, and uh, you can bounce them on your clothes because the glycerin contains. Uh, a force that keeps the molecules all kind of attracted to each other. Cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And um, I, I don't know how cold it gets in Iowa, but they freeze in the winter and you can see crystals form around them, um, which is really cool. You blow them into the air, they'll freeze solid in the air if it's cold enough, and then they'll fall to the ground and shatter like little glass balls. Cool. It's very cool. It gets really cold in um, Iowa. It it gets like freezing. The record is like net in the negative thirties, but like last year, I think we beat it. Like, did like we made a new record? I don't remember what it is. Like negative forty or something. Mm. Wow, mm-hmm. that's cold. That you that got so cold, your Fahrenheit scale became the same as our <laughs> Celsius scale. <laughs> that's how you know it's cold when Fahrenheit and Celsius meet up in the negatives. Yeah, we're from Alberta, Canada, so it gets pretty cold up here in the winter. I'm used to it. Bunsen loves the cold, but a lot of people get grumbly about how cold it gets. <laughs> that makes sense because I've seen you in a lot of pictures in the snow yeah. with toques on and things like that. Yeah. Now, you've pet so many dogs. 
are you keeping track? Do you have like a chalkboard somewhere and every dog that you pet, somebody puts a little tick on it? Um, kind of like Tom Hanks in, in the movie where he was trapped on the island, keeping track of the days that he's been there. But this is way more, uh-huh. way more exciting. Um, um, well, actually, the number is on my website. I'm almost like in the 900 so far. Oh, wow. That's uh-huh. so many dogs. So are you just out and about and you see these dogs or do you go to places where there's lots of dogs like a dog park? Um, we sometimes go to dog parks. Um, not normally though, but, and we, but we, we go to like, sometimes goes to dog parks, but we also normally go to the farmer's market every Saturday that has tons of dogs roaming around. Oh, so the dogs are allowed to go to the farmer's market? Yes, and there's tons of them and it's all outside and... It's awesome. We've met some really cool breeds there, like a Pekingese. Yeah. You never find those in Iowa. And they're <laughs> really cool. Those are those are little uh, shaggy, like they're kind of got long hair, right? Little guys that are kind of got yeah, long hair, I right? call them pugs with a wig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are pugs with mm-hmm. a wig. I love that. Very good. <laughs> um, do you have... Do you have some memorable stories about times you've got to pet a dog? Has there been a couple dogs that you remember? You might not remember their name, but are there a couple times that really stick out in your brain? Um, I can only think of one right now, but um, his, I just met him. His name is Opie, um, and he he um, it was really kind of crazy when I um, my mom got a picture of me and Opie. There were like brightly colored like skittles and stuff like that all over the ground, all over him, like all around him, and he he was so tempted, but not once did he eat a single skittle. Why were the skittles on the ground? I don't know. <laughs> they were just there. Yes. Oh, what a good boy! And was his owner telling him not to eat the skittle? Oh no, not at all. Oh, he was just not eating them. No. But he was kind of tempted. One time he almost ate one, but then it's like, oh, wait, nope. And it was really funny. That's a well-trained dog. We've trained Bunsen to be patient. And uh, there's a fun trick we do with him where we have him lay down. And then we stack treats from his big paws all the way back to his elbows on both (laughs) paws. And then we make him wait. And then we put a couple on his nose. And then we say, those treats are poison. And then he waits. And then... um, my son, Adam, sometimes has this wand and he goes, Bleep, and he says, now they're not poison. And then Bunsen goes crazy. <laughs> um, but it took a lot of training. So that dog you met has some really good patience and some uh-huh. training to be so well behaved. Uh-huh. I've, I've seen on your Twitter account, you've got to go to some dog shows. Yes. And do the dog shows know you're coming? Yes. They, um, normally they invite me. Oh, that's so exciting. And are the dog shows in Iowa, or do you have to travel far distances to get to them? Um, I've only been in one in Iowa, but the others, like, I was invited to one in in Orlando, Florida. Oh, and, cool. And, like, Payton, everything was, and everything was awesome there. And, yeah. like, it was really epic and cool because there were, like, dogs everywhere and really rare breeds. Like, I got to meet, um, what is that? Dog theme. It's like about the size of a chihuahua, but it's hairless, kind of. Oh, I don't know. A Chinese crested. That's it. Chinese crested. Oh, a Chinese crested. Yeah, those. Well, they're cute, but they're definitely unique looking. Hey. Uh huh. I got to meet one with all its hair on. <laughs> oh. Got shaved. 
Oh. Um, a couple times you've met up with Matt from uh, We Rate Dogs. Is that correct too? Oh yes. Um, that's when I got them. Um, that's when I. That's the same dog show. The dog show I was talking about. There. Um, that was the one where I was with Matt. Oh, that's so cool. He seems like a really nice guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, he is. Um, now your Twitter account has been growing. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed anybody recognizing you in real life? Have you got to that point where people say, "Oh my goodness, is that is that Gideon from I've pet that dog?" Like, have have people recognized you? Yes, they have a lot. Oh, that's yeah. Are you excited or is it a little weird? It's it's a little bit of both, kind of. It's really kind of fun and cool, <laughs> but it's kind of like kind of strange, kind of. Yeah. Have you have people asked for your autograph? Um, no. Oh, do they want pictures with you, or um, do they just like wave and say, "Hey, are you Gideon?" And you're like, um, "Hey, yeah, I'm Gideon." They sometimes do pictures, but normally they just wave and say, "Nice job, keep doing what you're doing," stuff like that. It's really fun and awesome. Oh, that must make you feel so good. There's a lot of people commenting on all of the pictures, just how positive and how wholesome and how. It makes them feel in the day. If they're having a really bad day, your pictures really make people feel good about themselves. So uh-huh. I can see why they would say that. Mm-hmm. Now, aside from petting dogs as your part-time job, what do you do for fun? Do you play sports or do you are you musical? Do you like movies or video games? Um, I don't sports isn't really my thing. Um, I mean, sure, I'll play a little bit of soccer now and then, or like some baseball maybe. But I'm not like like I'm not on like a team or anything, nothing like that. But I, um, I love playing video games and watching movies with my brothers. That's really fun. Oh, what video games do you like to play? Um, I like to play Rocket League. It's a game where kind of your car and it's like a soccer game kind of, but your car. Yeah. And um, I like to play Minecraft. And oh, Minecraft. Yeah. It's come back in popularity. It is so popular uh-huh. again. So are you are you an expert? Oh, what's that brick called that my son always talks about? Uh, redstone. Do you know how redstone works? It's um, like the mysterious stuff. Not really. My older brother, um, he's about <laughs> 13. He's the master of Minecraft. He knows all the, like, yeah. the cheats and everything. He made um he loves to um like he once spawned t- like a f- like fifty Ender Dragons in the world and it was like no because and they're really tough to beat like the Ender Dragons are scary yeah right? they're like big dragons kind of that kill everything. Minecraft is such a good it game. Uh, people may not people listening may not know what Minecraft is, but it's a it's called the sandbox game where there's really no objective aside from building a house and getting different, um, you know, different materials uh-huh. and then very creative mm-hmm. because there's no real structure, right? You just play it and you have yeah. fun. Can you get a dog in Minecraft? Um, yes, actually. There are like, there are wild wolves that, oh, that yeah? if you accidentally, if you like attack them, they will attack you back. But if you give them a bone, then they will be the, your best friend and follow you everywhere. So you've pet dogs in real life and you've probably pet a virtual dog in your Minecraft too. Yes. <laughs> uh, what movies have you seen lately that you really like? Um, I don't know. I kind of like all movies. I love comedy. That's my favorite. Oh, okay. Like a good comedy movie is amazing. 
Right, yeah, everybody likes to laugh. Our family's big into uh, the Marvel movies. Oh, yes, Marvel oh. movies are like, um, are my favorite. They're, they're so good and so cool. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we love them too. Our family's really nerdy. I don't know if you've seen pictures of Bunsen, but we we cosplay. So we have, uh, I spend time making some costumes and we go to those nerdy Comic-Cons and Bunsen can't come. I wish he could come, but I made a, a battle armor set for him and I'm making chain mail for him for the, for the, the upgrade. So mm-hmm. yeah. Like, Marvel movies are, we pretty- go to like a comic con and like free comic book day and rod con and a lot of stuff. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Free comic book day is mm-hmm. awesome. We have that in Alberta too. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, since, since you like Marvel movies, people are probably going to be wondering what is Gideon's favorite superhero? Um, that's very hard. I love, um, Infinity War and Endgame. I love those. Um, those movies? But what what superhero? What character do you oh, like the best? Ca- a character? Yeah, tough, hey? There's so many there good ones. There are. Um, I love Black Panther. He's like, he's the oh, best. Yeah. But um, my second favorite one has to be either Miss um, Captain Marvel or um, Spider-Man. That's it. Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider Spider Man's a classic. Spider Man's pretty cool. He's, you know, he's younger and he he likes science, and uh, yeah, he always tries his yeah. best. Right. We are getting close to the end. Uh, I don't want to keep you for too long, um, but I have a couple more questions. Do you have time to answer them? Yes, of course. You betcha. Okay, so the first one is: uh, Do you have any uh, social media plugs that you'd like to give for everybody listening? Where can people find you on social media? Oh, I do Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Right. Um, the it's named I pet that dog. Of course, all of them are. Um, okay. You can find links to him on my website. I think. Yeah. I noticed you have a store now. Is that correct? Um, not a store, like an online. It's like yeah. a merchandise yes. thing, right? Yeah. What are some of the things you sell in your merchandise store? The for people who don't know, they should check it out. It's pretty adorable. But what are some of the things you sell? Um, I sell like cap hats, kind of like baseball hats, almost like, and um, shirts and hoodies and some stickers. Very cool. Uh, another question I have for you. I don't know if you can think of it on the spot, um, and that's okay. We we ask our experts. And you are an expert at petting dogs. I don't. There's probably not too many people have pet as many dogs as you, Gideon. Um, do you have something that you know, like a fact that not a lot of other people know? Do you know something about dogs, or do you know something that not many people know? Like, um, like let's see. Chow Chows and Sharpays have um purplish bluish tongues kind of what What? they do yeah they do um one dog there was a i think a chow either like a chow chow mix i think and i didn't know it i was like just asking to pet them and i was about to ask um if i could do my whole like website twitter thing when um it just started like (laughs) panting i was like what the heck and because it was like a huge purple tongue it just flopped out (laughs) that's so cute bunsen has a huge tongue too but um his tongue is not purple that'd be that'd be that'd be pretty amazing to see a purple tongue 
Uh-huh. It's really funny. Um, have you met some dogs that uh, – are most dogs really friendly or have some been not so friendly and you, they, you've had to get them to warm up to you for um, a I've met some shy dogs, yeah. But, yeah, oh, shy, shy dogs. Yeah. The, and, and basically that's kind of it, basically. I've met some shy dogs, yeah. Like um, I met one chihuahua that um, – the, when I asked to pet on um, him, like um, the caregiver said, "No, I'm sorry. That my chihuahua hates the world." <laughs> oh no! But you know what? That's very important that you ask to pet a dog uh-huh. before you pet a dog. Um, most adults know that, but a lot of kids don't. And I'm glad uh-huh. that you always ask because you know you never know what's going yeah. on in that dog's life. Yeah. Now, before we close, my last question is. Do you have any dog petting tips for everybody? Where do dogs mostly like to get their pets? Um, I know most dogs like their ears and heads. Um, I met one dog who yep. likes their, his armpit scratched. Coco, yeah. And um, heads, um, heads, um, ears, maybe their back, yeah. And obviously their belly. <laughs> Bunsen loves the inside of his ears. I have to get it on video one of these days. But if we scratch inside his ears, he makes like this crazy kind of like groaning <laughs> sound because he likes it so much. It's so, so silly. He's like, <laughs> like it's, he's, he likes it so much. Thank you so much for Thanks. those dog petting tips. Thank you so much for being a guest today. It was so exciting to talk to you. And, um, just from just from our family, we appreciate everything that your family does with spreading positivity on social media. Social media um, for adults sometimes can be really negative. There's some really gross stuff out there. And your account every single day is so positive and so impactful for so many people. So one, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Many people probably don't know... Um, your, some stuff about you and that's really interesting and second thank you so much for the things you guys do to keep the world so happy and positive thank you it's time for woo or wow in this section i'll be reading three different statements two of them are going to be false woo one of them will be true oh wow it's your job to figure out which one's which this week's theme is all about dog myths because we had gideon from i pet that dog on as our guest here we go. Okay, here's the first statement. A dog's mouth is as dirty or more dirty than a human's mouth. Hmm. Makes you rethink getting dog kisses if this one's true. If it's false, yay, all the dog kisses. Okay, statement two. Dogs with a warm, dry nose are probably not feeling well. Aw, poor sick doggies. And the third statement. Dogs age about seven years for every single human year. I know, that kind of makes me sad if that one's true. Dogs do age way more quickly than humans. Okay, those are your three statements. Recap. First statement. Dogs have a very dirty mouth or equally dirty to a human. The second statement is dogs with a warm, dry nose are probably sick doggos, not feeling very well. And the third statement, dogs age about seven years for every human year. Think about it. 
Okay, time's up. Which of those were the fake statements? Well, we're going to start with the last statement. Dogs age seven years for every single human year. That one is not true. Now, the reason why that's not true is it depends on the size of the dog. Barring any, um, barring any cancers or accidents, and we're just talking about um, when dogs die naturally of old age, it really depends on the size of the dog. And little dogs age much slower than big dogs or the giant breed dogs. Um, really, really, really big dogs like Newfoundlanders and Great Danes, sadly, do not live as long as little teeny dogs like Chihuahuas. Bunsen's on the bigger side. He's in the large breed, but Bernice Mountain Dogs aren't a big large breed. They're kind of on the smaller size. And Bunsen, for his breed, isn't big. In fact, he could be classified on the smaller size. He's just shy of 100 pounds. I know, for people who have little dogs, 100 pounds is crazy. Okay, so that one wasn't true. That leaves two statements left. Which of the two is the woo? And the statement that's not true is the dogs with a warm, dry nose are not feeling very well. That's not true. A lot of people say, oh, feel your dog's nose. If your dog's nose is dry, if it's warm, your dog might be sick. And that has nothing to do with anything. Um, basically, dogs' noses change temperature and moisture randomly throughout the day. It could be how much um, humidity is in the air. They could have just taken a nap. Um, maybe they were sick and they just licked their nose or they put their nose in some water. So you really can't tell by their nose. Obviously, if your dog's nose is so dry, it's cracking and it looks painful, then you should go to a vet. Um, but it can't be the only diagnosis if your dog is not feeling well. That leaves the myth that a lot of people think, and I switched it, was that dogs have a clean mouth. And in this time, I said dogs have a dirty mouth. And Dogs explore their whole world with their mouth. Man, if I had to, if I had to think of everything that Bunsen ate on a walk, and I walk, we walk him off leash uh, on our property um, because we live on a farm. He's eaten poop, random dead things, weird bones. I just made a video and put it on Twitter of him, of him trying to find this rank, disgusting bone that he dug up, and I took it away from. I don't even know what animal it was. Guaranteed that animal had like rotting bacteria on it. So a dog's mouth isn't super clean. On the flip side, though, a lot of the dog's mouth bacteria isn't really transferable to humans. Now, there are some really serious ones that are transfer, like there are some serious ones that can move from the dog's mouth to a human's mouth. So you got to watch for that. Um, and again, obviously, if your dog was chomping on something disgusting, you can choose to brush their mouth with um, dog toothbrush or, you know, something that might clean their mouth a little bit. But most, vet, most vets will say don't stress too much if you get the occasional lick from your dog. And that brings us to the end of Woo or Wow! Alright, so... I just opened up the mailbag and it's time for Mailbag with Adam. Okay, so our first question comes from Beth Patterson Knight. Obviously, you were loved upon sight, but even sight unseen, how did your family decide that a Bernese Mountain Dog 
was the breed for the family? That's a really good question. Before Bunsen, we had a golden retriever. And uh, she unfortunately died of cancer, and we were very sad about that. And after we took a break from having a dog, we wanted to get another dog because we love dogs. And I was drawn to the Bernice Mountain Dog because of how they looked, um, how fluffy they, they looked, uh, and that they're really good in cold weather. And I do a ton of stuff outside in the winter. Uh, spoiler alert, we're from central Alberta and it's winter here 10 months a year. Yeah. And... <laughs> no, it's not. It's not winter here. Ten... Well, maybe. Well, maybe. <laughs> Uh, one thing that was interesting is Jason saw a Bernese Mountain Dog puppy at the farmer's market. And he said, what is that? What is that? It was the cutest thing I ever saw in my life. But that's also the other reason I was like, oh man, they're so cute puppies. And then we did some research on them and then Chris can explain that. Yeah, so we have um, several books on uh, dog breeds. And we call them the super stats. And golden retrievers, of course, are five out of five on all stats. Um, and then we were a little surprised with the Bernese Mountain Dog. Ease of training was five out of five. Affection was three out of five. Playfulness, two. Good with children, three. Good with other dogs, three. And grooming required, three. Um, those were some, those characteristics are really important to us as a family. Uh, we do have children. Um, and a variety of ages. Uh, our children are um, 22 and 14, um, but we do have great uh, nieces and nephews that are small. So that was important to us. Um, but the, what we did is we ended up going to several breeders and asking questions. Um, and that's what solidified our decision with getting a Bernese Mountain Dog. And uh, I wasn't a fan of, we went to a really huge operation and it just, I just didn't, I didn't like it that much. Um, that's okay. I, we went where we eventually got Bunsen was from a farm family and they only had one male and one female. It was, and one litter. So it wasn't like a huge operation at all. Right. And we could trace the uh, genetic history back to uh, Bunsen's grandparents um, and great-grandparents and that was important to us as well after losing our golden to cancer we wanted to make sure to the best of our ability that we were able to uh, trace his lineage um, and get a really good dog what about you Adam um, to start off with I didn't really care about which breed of dog we got as long as it didn't try to kill me <laughs> but when I saw the Bernese mountain puppies I was immediately wanting to get a Bernese Mountain Dog as a dog. Yeah, all you have to do is wait for uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays on social media, and that's when we post pictures of Bunsen. He was just heart-meltingly adorable. As He's still adorable, but as a puppy, he was just... People would come running and screaming across streets to see him when we were out with him with a puppy. And they were doing literally what I did at the farmer's market. They'd be like, what is that? What do you have? Is that a little bear? And he was just like, I'm so happy. I'm so cute. Yeah, so that's that one. All right, so I've taken out the other mail from the mailbag. And this question comes from Dana Wurstler. Does Bunsen have playdates with other doggo friends? Who's Bunsen's best friend, Adam? Um, 
Doc, of course. Who's Doc, Adam? Um, he's our uh, grandpa's dog. Who our grandpa lives just up the road from us, so Bunsen gets to see Doc very often in the summer. Um, and what, they love playing together. What type of dog is Doc? He's a miniature schnauzer, which is pretty cool. He's got a little mustache. Yeah. Bunsen goes running like crazy to see Doc. Loves Doc. I think Doc likes Bunsen. Um, I don't know. Most yep. of the time, they, after the, after Bunsen like springs up on him and Doc like kind of doesn't want like that, then they're buds for for hours. Yeah. Even though Bunsen goes springing up on Doc, he comes. Doc comes back towards Bunsen. So I don't think he hates it. <laughs> What's another dog that he plays with, Chris? Uh, there are two dogs. My niece has uh, two dogs. One is named Buckus, and another, and the other she just got named Sadie. So Buckus is a little older and doesn't really like to play with Bunsen that much, but Sadie loves to play with Bunsen. She loves to play, and she loves to play incessantly and <laughs> it tires Bunsen out and he's like oh and then she just gets up and he's like okay ready to go again and it's quite interesting they yep. they don't stop they she plays with him and then makes Bunsen just that's it she tires Bunsen out and he flops he can't do it anymore um, and she's good to go my uh, sister has a little dog named Calvin and um, Calvin is kind of a grouchy little dog um, I think he's cute, but he's kind of grouchy. And when Bunsen was a little puppy, he was like four times bigger than Calvin. I, what is Calvin? He's like a miniature thing. He's a Morky. He's a Morky. He's a miniature. He's Yorkshire a Morky. Maltese. Okay. Anyways, he's grouchy. Um, <laughs> and thanks, Bunsen. And uh, he <laughs> and uh, he would attack Bunsen. But Bunsen just never gave up on this little dog named Calvin. And eventually, um, they, they play together now. So they're good together. Calvin still sometimes attacks Bunsen, but Bunsen is just so big now. He just is like, well, doesn't really care. And he always keeps trying with Calvin. All right, that's all the mail that we have for today. So I'm going to put uh, all of the mail back in the mailbag and close it up. Thanks for all your questions. And so that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. I'd like to just take a second and give some shout outs to our top patrons on Patreon. And that's Bianca Hyde and Ben Rather. Both Ben and Bianca are in our top tier, the Bunsen Burners. So thank you so much for your support. You make the podcast easier to run. All our patrons on Patreon help cover some of the costs to run the podcast and allows us to um, get the word out about the podcast. And it's growing. It's so exciting. And thank you so much for your support. And also, thank you to everybody who's listening for tuning in to the Science Podcast. And also to Gideon from I've Pet That Dog. You gotta ch- If you don't follow that account on Twitter, it's one of the like main accounts you should follow. And Bunsen. But his account is super adorable too. So we're going to close with Bunsen's motto. For science, empathy, and cuteness. Ruff! <laughs>